Welcome to the Birthing Instincts Podcast. I'm Dr. Stuart Fishbein, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm Bliss Young, a licensed midwife. Join us in our conversational style podcast where we talk about everything birth. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we cry, but we're happy that you're here. So here we go. This, this is, is a Soul Fire, Fire production. production. Good morning. It's early. Good morning. It's really early. It's early for you. I know. I know. Liz is in, uh, are you still in Iowa? I am still in Iowa. I am, uh, my family reunion ended, what, what's today? Friday. So my family reunion ended Monday. Um, and I will be getting my transmission replaced this coming Monday. So I'm a week behind schedule. Um, do you have to, and it gave me you, some, huh? I was going to say, do you have to have a schedule? I thought you had like didn't even know what day it was the other day. <laughs> I don't really know what day it is. That's yeah. very true. Um, right now, until my boys are set up in Sacramento, I'm a little bit more. I have a little bit more expectations of people around me. So, um, like my cat Jax, uh, his uh, temporary home is not going well. So we have to figure out how to get him on time not a week late. So that's the newest thing we have to figure out. Um, uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about that? About Jax? Yeah, where is Jax? Jax is with my nephew and um, Jax is my son's cat. He's a big, oh, you guys have seen Jax. If, you, if you're, if you're uh, people who have followed us for a while, when we were doing um, our fireside chats during the lockdown, we were doing live fireside chats and Jax was the one who bomb, who photo bombed one of our videos. <laughs> and if you go to my, if you go to my IG, uh, what are they called? IG TV. Um, you can see Jack's butt across our faces on one of the screens. Cause I thought that was hilarious to use that photo. Um, so anyways, Jax is my very big cat uh, that belongs to my boys. And he wasn't ever going to come on the RV with me because Jax cries really loudly if he can't go outside. Um, and so he's been driving my nephew and his wife crazy. And so they're like, three weeks is our max. You have to come get Jax. So it's it looks like Jordan will continue on with us for a couple of days. Maybe get to, uh, we're going to go to Mount Rushmore and um, stay in a camp site out there that I cannot remember the name right now, but basically my, my cousin has stayed there before and you are, you are sleeping on rose courts. There's tons of rose courts out in South Dakota. And so I think he'll make it to that camping. It's a couple days away. Um, and then I think we're gonna need to put him on a plane back to LA to pick up Jax and uh, pick up my car and go north to where they'll eventually end up getting an apartment. And then Grant and I will go through Montana and Yellowstone and eventually meet up with him in Sacramento. So I think that's the plan right now. And so, yes, once, um, once the boys are settled and I, I've given myself a couple of weeks to, you know, bring up the pod and unpack all of our stuff and get them in an apartment and, you know, help them feel ready for me to drive off into the sunset. Um, so I guess by the end of, you know, August, mid-August, um, I'll be solo with, 
um, with Zoe and we'll definitely be much more like, let's just see how today goes. But right now, um, you know, I'm, I'm on other people's property. I'm like parked in my cousin's driveway and using her power. And that's not exactly, I don't exactly feel like I want to stay here and burden them too long. Yeah, I, I get, I totally uh, get that. It's, um, it's gotta be a weird, weird or, you know, good or strange thing to have like no births and nobody putting really demands on you other than nieces and nephews who have a cat. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's and then essentially dealing with weather. I heard that, uh, you, you, we, we canceled one of our sessions, I think, cause you said there was a storm coming, which would be a, a first for the birthing instincts podcast to be canceled. Cause we had a storm cause it never rains here. Yeah. So this is actually a funny story and it's not the first storm that, that we've had since we've been on the road, but it was the first one that you and I had to t discuss. Um, so my cousin was going out to walk her dog and she looks back at me and she said, it feels very tornado-y, very casually, like, like, oh, it looks like it's going to rain. feels very tornado-y. And I was like, okay. And she said, by the way, when you're in Iowa, if you ever hear a loud siren, go into my basement right away. So if you hear a loud siren, <laughs> go into my basement right away. And she's like walking out the door. And I was like, is this going to happen before you get back walking the dog? Like, do I need to worry about the boys in the RV? And is my RV going to be picked up and taken away? Like, um, in, um, Wizard the of Wizard Oz. of Oz. Yeah. And, um, she's like, no, no, probably not. But, but yes, if you ever hear the siren, right. So I'm like, okay. Um, so her husband actually, um, does a lot of land management out here in Iowa. He did it in Colorado as well. So he was on a camping trip. And where he was, they actually did have torrential downpour and tornadoes touching the ground. Um, where we were, um, we just got some more thunderstorms, which we've seen a lot of since I, we, I, we've been here. Um, but no, I didn't see any actual tornadoes here, but I learned, I learned about yeah, what to do. Well, you know, growing up in Minnesota, it's a, uh, uh, for those people that have spent their whole life in Southern California, that don't really understand the siren, the siren thing, and and uh, casually talking about tornadoes. I mean, when when I was a kid and the sirens would go off, we would go outside to try to spot them. Oh my God! Yeah, we would we would go out and look, and, and look because we thought it was so cool. You know, yeah. Again, the only thing about tornadoes that we had to know in Minnesota was never be in a trailer park when you have when a tornado's coming. Because for whatever reason it is, and if you listen, if you look at the things in Oklahoma, sometimes I'm, I'm I'm sort of joking, but I'm sort of not joking. For whatever reason, there's this affinity for tornadoes and trailer parks, and I don't know if it's because trailers aren't bolted down, or because trailer parks are in flat areas, or or what it yeah. is. But when I was a kid, I just have this strong memory of tornadoes always hitting trailer parks. So, you know, um, you're a target bliss because you you know you're out on the road, and a tornado sees uh, hope says, hey, I'm going after, that's a slick looking trailer. I'm going after that that thing. So be careful out there. Well, well with luck that I've been having, yeah, I, I would not be surprised. I know. Well, yeah, you, uh, we, you know, we could go through a whole list of things that have busted on, on hope, but you know what? That's that's the journey. That's what's part of, that's what's, fu that's what's fun for you. 
yeah mean, it's, not so, so much, um, it's not so much fun but the love more tour has been uh now named uh keep hope alive <laughs> so <laughs> that's what we're doing that's right pretty now. funny actually yeah, I actually think I've been having some wrist issues um, and and my son and I talked about it. I, we think it's from like actually like gripping the steering wheel because I was so nervous because um, we had a blowout our very first day. And I mean, you know, managing a huge vehicle like this when you have a blowout is some interesting that's an that's some interesting driving. Needless to say, I have a little PTSD. Uh, but we made it and here we are and we're going to be going on to the next leg and uh, and you and I are going to just uh, find time to meet up in the virtual world and talk about life and all things that are driving us nuts in the birth world, even though I'm not attending birth. Yeah, well, we're going to we're going to go through a big uh, thing of civil disobedience here in Los Angeles County again, because when we're, the day we're recording this, we're supposedly going to go back into mask wearing mandates again. And I've just seen all oh, over really? and I'll, I've seen all over social media that people are just not going to do it. So oh, wow. yeah, the, they've been pushing and pushing and pushing so hard with this vaccine stuff that it's really radicalizing people that are just normal people that are really normal and calm and relaxed. have been coming in my office and stuff. We've been having conversations in there. They're actually getting, you know, not just frustrated, but they're actually getting angry. And I hope that people are getting angry enough that when the next time these people who are doing this are all up for re-election or whatever, that they all get voted out of office. But until that time, we're gonna to have to deal with totalitarian nature, the fascist nature of people who, who are, are running our institutions. And I'm not exactly sure what attracts fascists to running institutions, or is it institutions make people into fascists? But um, there's something going on because, you know, life has gotten relatively back to normal here in SoCal. And just this, I heard on the news yesterday that they're going to go back, back to a face mask mandate, which is really interesting because apparently we're, it's, we're so bad that we're going to go to a mandate in a couple of days. So if it's so bad, <laughs> why are we waiting a couple of days? And if it's not so bad, then and why are we doing it at all and that sort of thing so yeah it's crazy so you've been traveling through other states what's just give us a quick sort of uh is it even an issue do you even notice it when you go to a gas station or you go into a, a restaurant or whatever i mean in like all I think, you know here in iowa city iowa itself is a pretty um is a pretty conservative state but here in iowa city it's pretty progressive um, and going through various parts of the country, I noticed people still wearing masks, but, you know, selective few people here and there that chose to have masks on. It's not, it's not anything that's mandated. Uh, you know, I didn't have a mask on, um, going into places and I didn't have any issues yeah. whatsoever. I, I think you're going to find people from now on the rest of our lives, you're gonna, this people are, some people are gonna be wearing masks. They're just gonna- Yeah, yeah. So I, I wanted to let you know that I did listen to um, the episode that you did on your own. 
because I wanted to just, you know, hear what you said. And a couple of things, um, I went and listened to, um, to the podcast that you were recommended. No, no Big Trees podcast? Uh, what is it? The high no, um, no, the one, the wine, wine and gyne. What's that one called? Wine oh, gyno? OB gyno wine podcast, Nathan Riley's podcast. Yeah, his essay that he wrote and he read it on um, his podcast. It was so well done. And I think that anybody, you know, I had a little interaction with my, my aunt, my family member here in, um, at the, at the reunion, she, her and her husband actually hugged me with their masks on because, um, they're vaccinated and I'm not. And I didn't, I didn't know that was going to be even an issue. Like I had, I was really kind of surprised. I was like, Oh, are we wearing masks? And, um, yeah. So, (laughs) um, I think I'm going to send them his his essay because I think it was so well um like expressed thoughtful it was some thoughtful, of the re- yeah. yeah why we would make this choice and it's not it's not being rebellious and it's not being irresponsible or not thinking it through consciously it's actually a very conscious choice um so I I want to I want to say I'm really glad that you told our listeners to listen to that and if you haven't listened and you know you want more you know I don't know just uh more concise information maybe to pass along to other people that are close to you you know you don't always want to like argue the point with people that aren't important to you because um as he even said at the end of his essay um you know there is cognitive dissonance. And so even though he is a doctor and has, has a very well thought out argument um, or his choice, some people just may not, they may brush it off. But um, I, think it, I think it was really well done. So I wanted to mention that. The other thing is you got to 10,000 listeners. I mean, 10,000 followers. Yeah. And you had fellow travelers, fellow travelers. I love that. I love the fellow travelers. I thought that was amazing. I don't like, you know, I said that that at the time. I don't like the term followers because followers is hierarchical and I I really don't like that. And it's sort of like, uh, I mean, Jonestown had followers, uh, you know, Waco had followers. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I think that I, you know what, I don't think that anything that Facebook or Instagram or these people do is, is random. I think they thought about it all along. And I really yeah. think that their mission in life is to create a bunch of sheep. And that therefore, because it's easier to herd sheep, well, than cats anyway. But, it, but it's, uh, I really do believe that because I want, I believe that that fear and make, making people believe that they're followers or whatever is a way to control you. And we've never seen it more vivid than we're seeing it right now where everything is everything is existential. Everything is going to destroy us all. Everything is going to do this so that you will be more pliable when they come out with whatever stupid thing they're gonna come out with next. It never, never seems to pan out to be true. Always turns out to be false. Always turns out to be wrong. No one ever pays a price for it. No one ever loses their job or says, I'm sorry. Um, and so that's, you know, I'm, I don't want to go on a rampage about the word followers, but, but so, but yeah, and that was exciting. Uh, it's really pushed. And then, and then see, it seems almost like it's uh, like exponential now because 
you know, now I'm up, I've just gained 200 more in the last week, I think. Yeah. You, it was funny because when you got close to uh, the fellow traveler, Mark, um, <laughs> I, you, I think we were 2000 off or something and you were like, ah, I'm still 2000 away. I'm like, it's not going to take long. Um, but the funny thing about that is you were like, I don't know what I get, like a special button or something. Um, and on your stories yesterday or the day before, um, Emily, your assistant had kind of created this post with one of our little snippets that said swipe up. And when you swipe up, it gives you access to, to subscribing to the podcast. Like you can write there from the story, see the podcast. And so I sent it to my assistant. I was like, please duplicate this. That's really cool. And she's like, oh, you don't have enough followers. Only Stu can do that. And I was like, oh, that's the special thing he got for getting to 10,000 followers. So let's yeah, see if we it, can get me to 1,000 too, because I want a little special button. Yeah, it is pretty cool. And I said, so I said, uh, I was, I was uh, a friend of mine, Gabe comes up to the horses sometimes. And we were talking the other day as we were, uh, you know, grooming and mucking and doing all the things that we do. And so I, I said that, you know, he said that I have more, I have more fellow travelers than he does. And yet he has a blue check mark. And I said, so you have a blue check mark and I have more than you. And it's like, how did that happen? He says, well, a blue check mark is kind of complicated. You have to apply for it because a blue check mark, I think he said, it makes you authentic it makes it because other people might like try to steal your identity or that's why a lot of celebrities and stuff have a blue check mark is because other people might go on and instead of saying somebody like uh you know um who's a who's a celebrity these days uh rick it has a blue check mark she's one of my friends ricky lake yeah ricky because okay, lake. Ricky lake. Ricky, yeah. somebody might go on and ricky, ricky lake might have her her uh instagram and somebody might go on and make an instagram that says ricky lake's instagram yeah. All right. And then people don't know. Yeah. Or real Ricky Lake or whatever else. And you don't know. So Ricky Lake with a blue check mark. So I don't think anybody's trying to imitate me. So I'm not really worried about the blue check mark thing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I get it. All, the, all these silly, silly things. Nobody really, um, wa nobody really wants to be I do wanna, you. <laughs> I do want to hear about um, your births, but I want to tell you two little birthy things since I'm not attending births that are, um, I'll get into it deeper next time we talk because uh, I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for today's podcast. I just wanted to test out and make sure that I could actually get on my hotspot. You and I could hear each other. We could be recorded. So this is kind of a pilot, to, so to speak. Um, but I was looking at what the laws are for uh, CPMs and which states uh, it's legal and not legal, you know, just, just out of curiosity and conversation sake. So here in Iowa, if you look at a map or if you go online and you look, it says that it's illegal to home birth here. Um, and then I started to look up uh, more information on Google and I found a midwife who said, I, I'm doing home births here in Iowa. And so I reached out to her and I just said, I'm really confused. It says that it's illegal, um, but you you do home births. And so it's what I would have considered a legal, but she said that they don't, they prefer the term unregulated um, because there's no actual law here in Iowa. And some of the lawmakers actually had a conversation with the midwives and said, do you really want us to bring licensure in? Because right now, there's not, you know, it's a gray area, but there's nothing that tells them whether they can or can't. 
Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. And I said, it's so, it's so bizarre that if people search for you or search for home birth, what the, the message that they're getting through Google, through the internet is it's illegal, but they cannot do it. Those words are actually used in several different, um, places that I looked it up. So that's kind of interesting. I'll continue to give people information about what I find out in different states. Um, Does that mean if somebody wants to deliver free birth at home, it's illegal or it's just illegal to assist somebody at home? Here? In Iowa. Is it is it illegal for a woman to give birth at it's home? Not or? It's not actually illegal. There are midwives, CPMs who oh. practice here, but there's no there's no laws. But when you look it up, it is said on, on your Google searches that it's illegal. But you according to this midwife, it's not. You mean Google is contributing to misinformation? <gasps> oh my God. They need to censor themselves. Bad Google, <laughs> bad, bad Google. Back Back <laughs> yeah, get into your sleeping cage, Google. You so <laughs> I'm going to wait for the story where Bliss is driving along the road and there's a car pulled over and there's a woman in there having a baby and Bliss hops out and runs over and and catches the baby. With my cape. <laughs> yeah, with your, 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 your cape on, you'll, yeah, and you'll run over and you'll save the day and that'll, that'll be in the news. That, uh, oh, that was fun. That would yeah. be super fun. And then everybody yeah. will think it's great as opposed to when people do it, like when, as I said, I think it was last podcast, I said, uh, the, why is it great when people accidentally have it happen, but if they plan it, it's, it's horrible. <laughs> no kidding. So speaking of um, thing that's going on um, is I, after you and I are done recording, I'm talking to um, a midwife practice in Sacramento that is hiring. I don't think that I will probably end up staying in a group practice birth center in Sacramento, but um, they seem lovely and I'm going to go visit them when I go through in August and we're going to just have a little, a little chat today just to kind of Great. See if there's a way that I be able to help them. You might you might stay in Sacramento then? No. But <laughs> maybe but no, but it's only 90 minutes from where I'm thinking about ending up. And so maybe I can like kind of do like once a week. I mean like once a month, come and do a week there, you know, to give them off call or who knows, you know. Oh yeah, that makes that yeah, that, that you could work something yeah. out like that. That's great. Yeah, yeah, because my family's in Sacramento. So well, Anyways, you, yeah, wherever you end up, you have to practice because you have just way too much expertise and wisdom to to not practice. It would be it would be a loss to loss to mankind <laughs> if you weren't practicing. I, I think that all all our listeners would say the same thing. Yeah, okay. to be continued. I said to be continued. We'll see how that goes. So okay. tell me about your birth. All right, well, I can do my births. Uh, I have a, I have a tale of castor oil, um, <laughs> so I, I have I had one woman who was a little past her due date, and um, she you know she apparently without beknownst to anybody on the birth team, uh, she took castor oil at about I don't know around noon, and then I get a call sort of about four o'clock. Uh, 4.30 from her partner saying that she's in booming labor. No mention of the word castor oil, no mention of anything. And yeah. um, I was on my way to a breech delivery down in Orange County. And so 
she ended up delivering before even Beth and the rest of the team got there. Um, but wow. we all went and I missed the delivery because she went ahead and took Castro without saying anything, which, you know, it's it sort of a, it was sort of a violation of, of the trust that we sort of want to have with our clients and that sort of thing. On the other hand, I, there were some social pressures on her and stuff like that, and I'm not even going to get into it, but it, it worked like a charm, put it that way. I'm just saying it's, and out came the baby. A few, a, about a week later, not le less than a week later, I have a woman with a set of twins who is beyond 38 weeks, who is itching terribly. And she does not have cholestasis or pups. Uh, she's just itching. She has probably some, you know, um, immune uh, atopic thing. She's had hives in her past before. Uh, so she probably just has this immune tendency to do this. And I think part of it is just from the heat because she essentially has a blanching, she has a rash, but it's not, you know, it's not a raised papillary rash. It just, it's just like dilated capillaries because if you push on it, it blanches and then it fills up again over her belly and her forearms and stuff. And she's just miserable. So I checked her in the office. I think she was about 38 and three and she's four centimeters and it's her third pregnancy. And with twins. So, yeah, with twins. And so I'm not a big fan of intervening, but she was miserable. So I thought I would do a sweep on her, but I didn't want to do it in the office because I was afraid, my, you know, maybe she'll, she lived about 30 minutes away. Maybe she'll <laughs> break her bag in the car or something bad will happen. So I said, go home. And when we're done with office, we'll come over to your house. So we finished about one o'clock and we headed over to her house and about 2.45, three o'clock, um, I did a vag exam and she was four, uh, four centimeters. I stretched her to six. Okay, with a sweep, and then she took castor oil. And because she was six and she's a multip and stuff, everybody came at five o'clock and we just sat there. And we sat there. And we sat there. And we sat there, and nothing happened. So at 11, we ordered dinner from Wood, Wood Ranch. That was good. <laughs> but but um, uh, about 11.30, um, she took another dose of castor oil. Mm -hmm. And nothing happened and nothing happened. And 6.30 in the morning came around and nothing was happening. And we sent everybody home and we just said, okay. And we tried, you know, using all the remedies we could come up with for her itching. And now it's uh, four or five days later, she's still walking around probably five to six centimeters. And yeah. uh, her uterus just wasn't it didn't, it didn't work. And I, it's surprising because she was almost 39 weeks with twins and her cervix was ripe. And so, you know, she went overdue with both her other pregnancies, not that far, 40 and a half weeks, 41 and a half weeks. She is heterozygous for one of the alleles of MTHFR. I don't know if that makes a difference or not. So my question is this, we're going to wait for her to go into labor. We've rechecked a bile salts uh, test. We're waiting on that, but she doesn't have cholestasis, I'm, I'm sure of it. So um, is she at risk for a postpartum hemorrhage because her uterus doesn't want to contract, even though she's had two babies or, or that have um, done well without any problems with bleeding, so. Well, well, she's already at a little higher risk because of the twins. Yeah, of course. That's normal. Um, but I would, I would not necessarily equate uh, 
the uterus not responding to an induction to a to, to uh, giving that uterus a diagnosis of not being able to contract. I think that, you know, even with Pitocin inductions, when the body's not ready, it doesn't do anything. And I tell my clients this all the time. When I used to have clients, um, I used to tell them uh, all the time, like, you know, if the body is not ready, anything that you do to induce this baby to come, you know, when women start to get impatient or like, what can I do? Um, It's just going to, it's going to be, it's going to fall flat and you're going to feel disappointed and, um, you know, not yeah, you're just going to feel frustrated because well, she's got a lot of social things going on. Yeah, none of which are bad, but they're just they're just uh, disheveling, if I can come up with a word like that. So yeah. I think that in her mind, she's way too high in her cortical brain. Yeah, and can't get out of it. But yeah. it's so funny that I was just the, it's a tale of two castor oils. Is like one that the baby just shot out and yeah. before anybody could get there in, in four hours, and the other one two doses six centimeters, yeah. eight and a half weeks with twins. Not, a, you know, not, she went through a couple phases where for like 30 minutes she would have contractions and then they would just disappear. Yeah. So, and now it's, it's been, let's see, that was on Monday and what's today we're recording. It's Friday. So that's five days ago and um, uh, nothing. So it's an interesting thing. And so that's what I've got pending. I have another, I've got another two breaches that came into care. So, that's been, we're having a plethora of breaches. I mentioned it in the in my own little podcast that I forgot to mention that uh, one of the local midwives here has had three surprise, well, two surprise breaches in the past week and a half. And one, we, which I did talk about where she, the, uh, the, um, a very wise young woman had her breach outside um, unassisted because we, she went so fast and nobody really realized it. Yeah. But the fact is that in all these breaches, the people that were attending the surprise breaches all knew exactly what to do. That's amazing. Cause they and, were. Yeah. Because they, I, 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 I would give part of the credit to me, but, but mainly because they are with their midwives with wisdom and they actually learn because they want to learn because they know yeah. that this is going to happen. And so I'm just so honored to be working with people who know what to do. Don't panic. Don't call nine one one. Don't shove yeah. the baby back up inside and wait for the ambulance and <laughs> that sort of thing. They go, oh, that's not ahead. Okay, well, all right, just, let's keep pushing and keep doing your thing. And and all of them came out, you know, I mean, fortunately or unfortunately, I think they knew what to do, but all of them came out spontaneously without any significant help at all. They were all rotated the right way. They did all the maneuvers they were supposed to do. Yeah. But there's been well, a... Again, it's a variation of normal. So if we keep, you know, actually following through with what we talk about, birth is meant to happen, even breech babies uh, with no no one around. And so most of the time it's gonna be just fine. You know, it's interesting because I was talking to Alex the other day, uh, Alex Evangeliti, who's a um, local midwife in Los Angeles. We've mentioned her before. And um, she was saying, you know, and I didn't even think of this. She said, you know, your skill set is really desired because you know what to do if there's a breach. You know how to deliver breach babies. And I hadn't even really like kind of thought of that as something that I could necessarily say because it's not something I practice in Los Angeles. But it was just interesting. And you're right. It's a it's something that we all should 
feel confident about because we just never know. Yeah, and one of the stories even even has another twist to it is, is you know, our our friend and dear friend colleague Beth just lost her mother. Um, uh, yeah. Yes. I think it was yesterday or maybe the day before yesterday. Yeah. So I don't know what time, when this will be recorded or will be played, but but she did. So she's not here, but they have wonderful people covering for her. And I got a, a, a phone call from Lindsay, who's covering for her. And she says, we have a surprise breach. Can you come? And my initial thing was, God, you know, I really don't. Uh, surprise breaches are tough for me because I want to come. I want to do everything I can. But, it, but then I'm violating my own uh, like criteria for properly selected term breach birth and would I be putting my whole situation uh, you know at risk by doing that but you know Lindsay's asking me I'm not going to come so I said okay fine text me the address so she texts me the address and I put it in my ways machine and it says 0.1 miles <laughs> <laughs> it was around the block Okay, but I don't, even, I don't even know the names of the streets around my uh, around <laughs> on the other side of the block I don't even know them. So I, I, I hopped in my car. I could have probably walked there just as fast, but I hopped in my car because all my stuff was in my car. It took me four minutes to, you know, from the time she called till the time I got there. And by the time I got there, the baby was out. Because I heard, I could hear her screaming on the phone in the background. Yeah. Vocalizing, I should say, on the phone in the background. Yeah. And uh, the baby was out just like that. But uh, the fact that you put, you put something in, in Los Angeles, you put something in your in your navigator and it says 0.1 miles. It's like, wow, what a, what a treat that was. And then I still missed yeah. it. I still didn't make it for that delivery. But anyway, <laughs> it was pretty exciting because, because all these women and all these families are ever affected in a positive way um, by not having to deal with the medical model of what they would have done and the fear they would have uh, instilled in that. I have a, a sort of a, a, a tangential story to that is I, I met with a family with twins yesterday in my office and they're, they're just entering the second trimester, a little over 13 weeks. And they've been seeing an OB and, and the OB had told them when they found out she, uh, they were twins, she had said to them, uh, okay, well, we'll schedule your C-section at 37 weeks. She tells them this at like 10 weeks or whatever, whenever they discovered it. And the, and the mom goes, well, I really want to deliver vaginally. And she goes, okay, we'll schedule your induction at 37 weeks. And if one of the babies is breached, then we'll at least have the date of the C-section scheduled. Okay, this is what mm -hmm. passes for normal. And yeah. community standard of care in my community, probably most communities in the country. And at least this woman knew right off the bat said, this is not for me. Yeah, so she great. Came in, she came in for a consult yesterday. And, and of course I do have a monopoly. <laughs> For, in Southern California, anybody wants a home twin birth, um, they either have to do it by themselves or they have a midwife who's sneaky or they have to hire to make it legal. They have to hire me. So it's sort of like, yeah. uh, but anyway, so I just love the fact that they, well, I don't love the fact. I sort of hate the fact that I hear these stories, but that, that this woman knew enough to, to say, and I, and I say to them, as I've said before on the podcast, if you ask this woman, what, why do we do it at 37 weeks? They'll say something like, well, it's risky to go beyond that. And then if you ask them, well, what is the actual risk? They will have no idea. And as a matter of fact, they did ask this, uh, this, this doctor what the real risk is. And you know what her response was? What? When you see the MFM, ask him. So she didn't even know. 
And yet she's just regurgitating information yeah. that she's been given, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago without paying any attention to the numbers or the data or understanding statistics at all, or giving people what's called informed consent. As you know, I'm a big, big advocate for uh, the informed consent thing. So we are, we are. Yeah, we are. <laughs> so anyway, so here's another thing that 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 I talked about. I don't know if it was with you recently or with somebody recently that I've I've started to add when I take a history, and I um, when I ask about family history and I ask about their mother's health and their father's health and all that stuff, then I ask about the mother's births or her siblings' births. Yeah. And I'm finding a lot of information. I'm finding about how many women who have 20, 30 year old daughters had C-sections? And there's a lot of them. Obviously it's 20, 30%, but it seems like there's more than that because a lot of these people had C-sections and their stories as well. I, um, and, they, and they all have the same sort of story. Big baby, small pelvis, um, you know, clinically being told that they can't do it that they're, or they're being brought in or they're being induced. And then, and then I say to the, to the woman, I said, does your mother know why she was being induced or did she, she says, no, she doesn't even know why she does. I mean, I've talked to her about it. She doesn't know why she was being induced. And they end up with a, a, a cascade of interventions in the cesarean section. And, you know, I don't know that anyone's ever looked at the, the epigenetics of when you have your mother has a C-section, what your odds of having a C-section are, especially if it's a scheduled elective one or not. But it's really enlightening to ask this question. Um, and the other question that I ask always when I meet a new client, especially a primip, is, is do you want more children? Which is another question that doctors almost never ask um, a client because they live in that model where they are only focused on getting this one baby out and how it gets out and how, what happens to the mother and the mother's psyche and the mother's future babies is not their concern, so. Yeah. Right. Well, you know, if I may add on just a little bit of what you were talking you about. May, you may. <laughs> with, um, you know, asking those questions, one, you know, it gives, it gives you a little bit of insight into her family history, whether or not that, that applies to her birth. Some, you know, I don't think we can really determine that. I don't think it's across the board, but you can start to help, like you say the right mental stuff, you know, you can start to, at the beginning of your relationship with them, start to get into those type of dialogues that are not just about what's happening physically with her, but the effects that this culture and it being passed down from our mothers to us in terms of dialogue of what can happen at birth. Because what happens with something like that is then the mother says, oh, you know, we have hips like this or we have pelvises like this. So it's very likely that you're gonna have a C-section too. And this happens early and it's not to blame yes, those. You know, they're a product of society as well, but it's starting to unravel those conversations of like, that may not be true. Your mom may have been gone through a system that told her that this was true and she believed that about her body for so long. And you and I have talked about my birth story many times, but you know, that I was told that by a midwife. So this doesn't always just happen inside of the, the hospital. Yeah. 
you know, the tangent that I went on in the last, in the last time we were together on hope, you know, is, and you were talking about it a little bit in the beginning of this podcast is like, you know, what do we need to do culturally? What do we need to say? What kind of conversations do we need to change? How can we help um, look at this from a, from a bigger perspective and not just uh, trying to, you know, we're, we're getting, especially the doulas, we're getting pretty beat up by trying to fight the system. Um, so how do we make, how do we make an impact in this? And I think it really is like what you and I are doing, what some of the other, um, you know, uh, influencers in the birth world are doing on Instagram and stuff, which is showing images, talking about it really openly, not shying away from the hard conversations of they're lying to you. Yeah. This is not true. You know, this is not necessarily in your best interest or in the best interest of your children. Um, let's go deeper. And so I love that you're starting that conversation as you are um, meeting your clients, you know, and I think, I think most midwives have these types of conversations, but it's great to, you know, to have doulas and doctors and, you know, all of the, all of the people who are dealing with pregnant women start to think about like, what difference does it make to, to talk to women about how culture is influencing how they feel about birth and how that will ultimately affect how she delivers her baby. So I love what you just said for several reasons. First of all, the bluntness of just saying they are lying to you. Yeah. We need to say that more often because we're seeing it. We, we talked briefly earlier about, about the COVID bullshit that's going on. Yeah. And they're lying to you there. They're lying to you about all these dangers and the Delta variant and all that stuff. And they are lying to you about this. Yes, birth can turn south on occasion, but they are lying to you. And I think the last Instagram TV thing we had from the podcast that came out last time, everybody loved it because I, the, the comments I got were great because Bliss says, I'm going to get a little feisty here, you know, <laughs> and as if you have to explain yourself. All right. Because when you get feisty, everybody loves it. All yeah. Right. Tell you the truth. I will tell you the truth. Now that I don't live in LA and I don't have any clients and I don't know if I'll ever have clients again. I have edited myself for a very long, long yeah. time. Um, because, you know, I look at what they teach doulas, which is you want to honor a woman's choice, which is true. You do want to honor a woman's choice, but there's this underlying, like, don't, don't, con- go, don't go contrary to what she's telling you, but that's part of our job. Part of our job is to, is to help them question what is going on. And, and in order to do that, you have, you have to be able to have a little bit of a rub, you know, and um, you're telling me, <laughs> yeah, well, you're, that's probably why I love you so much. I'm telling our listeners, yeah. it's hard sometimes, especially as loving, compassionate doula provider, midwife providers, you have to be willing to get in there and be like, let's really look at where this is coming from. Let's really, is this really going to make you happy at the end of the day? This is really what's going to happen when we go to the hospital. Like, like, you know, be willing to be a little bit feisty you know about what's going on and so I think that part of this journey for me is about 
not having the fear to be able to say whatever I need to say. And so I think that's why I said it that day, because I had had a little bit of a conflict on a, on a chat board with um, a doula from LA, not because I was mad at her or because I didn't believe in what she was saying, but I was challenging the questions that she was asking because I'm so sick of us having to, to regurgitate the same information and not going anywhere. You know, you get to a point where you're 30 years into your career and nothing has changed nothing and you see changed, right? passionate doulas with their, with their hearts in the right place. And you're like, I can see the history. And if we keep doing the same thing, we're not going to go anywhere. So I'm glad that people like my feisty because I have a feeling that a lot more of that is going to come through and, uh, it's just, it's just my truth. Should, and, and, and don't be apologetic for it because another word for feisty is being truthful. And, you know, sometimes, it, you know, there's all these cliches about the truth hurts and blah, 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 or the truth will set you free or blah, blah, blah. But let's hope it sets us free. Well, yeah. I mean, it, 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 sometimes it, the truth can get you into trouble, like uh, censored from Facebook, but it, it, uh, it doesn't really matter. And it can be mislabeled and all that. Else. It doesn't really matter. It's, it, it, the truth is truth. People say, well, that's my truth and that's your truth. No, no, there's, there, there, I mean, we each have our individual stories, but when we're talking about factual things, like what's the risk of, uh, of twins having a stillbirth at 38 or 39 weeks, there, there's, there is factual data and there's truth there and we are being lied to. So you are absolutely right. And on that note, which is interesting because you were talking about doula, I have a, I have a, um, a review, which is a really nice review and it, it ties into everything we've just been talking about. And I happen to love it. It's from um, Christy, who's a birth doula, and her uh, business name is Little Doula on the Prairie, which I love. Where and is she from? Alberta, Canada. Oh, cool. Yeah, so it's great. I mean, those of you who might remember Little House on the Prairie, I mean, some people it I do. may not remember it, but uh, Melissa Gilbert was, uh, I, forgot, I, forgot, I forgot the name of the main character. Uh, do you remember the name of the main character? No. Oh, man. Michael Landon was in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. Anyway, and, and great books by, I think, who wrote the books? Louisa May Alcott, was that who wrote Little House yeah. on the Prairie? Yeah, yeah, you're right. right. Pretty impressive, eh, that I, that I knew that? Okay. Yeah. Um, she says, I have become an, a dedicated listener for the past few months since I discovered, and it has lit a fire in me, allowing me to even be more confident as a birth worker and to do even more to flip the system for birthing families. I recently supported a client from a very rural Alberta area whose baby was discovered breech at 37 weeks. Her doctors immediately wanted her to book her in her cesarean with zero other options. She was given nothing but obstacles and negative information. With two doulas and a motivated birthing family, we challenged our system and she went on to have a most beautiful, safe, spontaneous vaginal breech delivery. I'd like to know more about how that happened, but that's, I'm almost choking up when she says that. Yeah, I have goosebumps. Mm -hmm. Keep speaking your truth and educating birthing families and birth workers. You're changing lives by changing birthing outcomes and encouraging people to listen to their own, quote, birthing instincts, unquote. Yay. Oh, yay. <laughs> All the feels. Yeah. Thank I you, Christy. That, that's like, made Bliss and I are just going to be happy all day today. Um, that's interesting. You know, I've been wanting to talk about a little bit about why I chose the term, the name birthing instincts for my uh, corporation when I, I made it. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I, it just, 
I was think going through, obviously you go through lots of names, you take out a little legal yellow pad or you type on your notepad and stuff and you come up with all the different names you can come up with. And, and then you have to search and see if anybody else has really used the name and stuff like that. And it was, it was out there and it was available. And so I, I incorporated and I took the name because I took it because what I've learned over the years from evolving from the medicalized resident and initial pra private practice doctor that I was to becoming who I am now was from you guys and that that birth is instinctual yeah labor is instinctual and um so I was yeah it, that's sort of where the name came from but it was when I first had the name I it it couldn't have been more appropriate I had no idea how appropriate it would be as time went on because I've had it now for quite a while yeah just changed the podcast name but that's been the name of my corp for a long time yeah so Anyway, that's just a very moving um, uh, review. So thank you again. I love it. And I wonder what it's like living in Canada right now. What a mess. You're Canadian. Right? Yeah, I was hoping to go to Canada as part of my trip, but I'm not too confident that that will happen. Uh, um, no, I, I don't think they're letting people in. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Um, do you have um, some um, questions from our listeners that you wanted to go over today, or would you like to hear um a post that i really liked this week we do, let's do your post and then we can maybe do a few we've got i've got the list of questions right here from last the last time we were together um we made it through about half of them um but we'll go we'll get a couple in today after you talk about your post so let's do what you want to talk about okay so it just feel like i wanted to read it because of everything that we're talking about today um it was a repost that i that i found um Let's see. We are Ama is the um, is the handle of where it came from. We are AMA AMMA. And um, the title of it is Unlearning Fear. And I think it's so interesting when we, you and I and other people talk about what's happening with COVID and vaccine and watching how fear has controlled the major conversation and I've talked about this before but the parallels of what I've seen over the years of how fear has motivated the changes in what's happening in the obstetrical world or in in, in uh, families having babies so unlearning fear birth is a challenge not a threat our culture would have you afraid of birth. Many women go into pregnancy hearing only horror stories from others and watching women screaming in extreme pain in Hollywood. Birth is not any more dangerous than breathing. Does it sometimes need assistance? Yes. Is it the norm? No way. It's part of the function of your body. It's built into you. But this fear that surrounds us it causes our brains to get in the way of the process. Birth is an emotional and physical experience. And when you are afraid, your body will believe you and think something is wrong. Let me say that clearly. How you feel about birth will affect your labor. So let's view it as a challenge, something worthwhile, an opportunity for growth, a chance to get to know ourselves better, to push past our own personal limitations and connect with our own divinity within. We were raised to keep ourselves small. Birth is an opportunity to finally see how limitless we are. And I just thought that was so perfect given uh, what we've been talking about today. So I wanted to read that. 
It is, it is perfect. And it, and it, and it is the way to control people. Um, fear and hatred are how you control people. You make one people, you make people scared or you make people hate or fearful of other people. And uh, we've never seen it more prevalent in America than we're seeing it right now. Um, at least not in our lifetime. I mean, maybe there were other times, but not in my lifetime. And I've lived a, yeah. oh, by the way, that's an interesting thing. Um, uh, I'm now on Medicare. I think I might've said that last time. I'm not sure, but this is my uh, birth month for turning 65. So um, uh, I've lived a long time and I've been doing this for uh, a long time. I've been in medicine since I started medical school at age 25. So what is that, 40 years? Yeah, 40 yeah. years, right. And uh, I've never seen it quite like it is now. I mean, I always thought that the things I learned in medical school and residency were for, were for the common good. But now I'm learning that it really, uh, most of the stuff that we're learning now, there's always other motivations behind it. Whether they're financial or power or ego or just dumb thinking, they're, they're not commonly for the common good. They're often rarely for the common good. And, um, and, and what we've done to several generations of women and babies and future generations because of what we've done by something that was supposed to be put in place to help make, make it safe. Um, but it has done nothing of the kind. Um, the sacrifices have been too great. It's almost like we're seeing a living thing now where we don't want anyone to die of this virus. So we're going to destroy economies. We're going to lock down families. We're going to cause depression and other illnesses and people won't go to the doctor and die of cancer and women will women and men will die alone in nursing homes and businesses will go under and will cause civil disobedience and civil unrest all that doesn't matter because we 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 stopped the virus i mean there's a scene i don't know if people appreciate this like i do but a scene in the movie uh, team america world police it's a uh, it's by the two guys that did south park and some of you may have seen it where puppet yeah, they're marionettes, right? Yeah. And um, there's a scene where the, there's some terrorists going to put off, set off a bomb in Paris at the beginning of the thing. And so the Team America flies in and they battle the terrorists. And in the process of battling the terrorists, they destroy Paris. And at the end, they kill all the terrorists and they say, hey, yay, we killed all the terrorists. And Paris is in ruins. All right. And this is a very... <laughs> The same thing happens in Cairo too. They have this scene where they blow up, they're chasing the terrorists, they blow up the Sphinx, they blow up the pyramids, um, and then they win because they kill the terrorists. And it's like, yeah. the, 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 the um, collateral damage didn't mean anything. And then and the collateral damage from what's happened with uh, what's happened in our profession, from the idea that for the sake of safety, we're going to uh, have only stage one thinking and never down the road thinking or never downstream thinking and do all the things that we're doing and that's going to be better that and you're right and we've been pounding our heads against this thing against a wall a brick wall for so long and it's not working so something else needs to be be changing and i think that it's time and again i'm at a point in my career and i think you are right now too because you've let go of a lot of stuff that we can speak out and the worst thing they can do to us is censor us or uh, make us stop practicing which is like okay fine then then I'll become something. It's like when they struck down Obi-Wan Kenobi and he became something more powerful than he ever was before. Yeah. Uh, right. 
that sort of thing happened. I've seen that happen with certain people like Paul Thomas, who's lost, who they took away his license in Oregon. And he's, you know, he's more popular. And so many people have, have been demonetized or deplatformed or whatever else only to come back stronger because that's their nature. And that's what, what we need to, because something needs to change. Yep. You gave me a book before I left too. I you wanted to talk about that. So you're going to have to yeah. choose what you want to talk about with our time left. Well, we could do that and we could save these for another time because yeah, well, those will, will go off on a topic. Let me see if I can find it. Oh, here it is. Okay. So yeah, we can end with this. This will be kind of fun. Um, okay. So I gave, if you, I gave you the book, if you give a moose a muffin, you know, you did. I, I think there's and a, if you give a, a, What's the something a donut? What's the if you give a dog a donut, a pig a donut? If you give uh, something a donut, um, um, those books, there are a whole series of books, and they show about uh, you know from consequence to consequence, consequence. They always end up at the back at the same place. So I hope my readers have had it, or my list, our listeners have had a chance to read um, or before read or, or look into this because I'm going to read a a story that I wrote really back in I wrote this in 2013. A long time ago. So, and it goes like this, okay. Uh, in honor of pregnant women everywhere. Uh, and I actually did it for um, Heather, Alex, Rasha, Katie, Amy, Carney, and all my birth goddess friends for Madeline and the right of choosing your own path was I wrote. So oh, wow. yeah, and Heather was uh, somebody that we all know and love at the time. So. <laughs> previously. Yeah, previously. Formerly known as Heather. Formerly, now currently bliss, but. Anyway, um, so I don't have any illustrations because I need an illustrator. So if there's any illustrators out there that want to donate some time with me, we can do this and maybe we could even get this published as a brochure or something like that. So it goes like this. If you give a woman, Ooh, a, that'd be fun. If you give a woman a pregnancy test, when she is late for her period, she'll want to run out and perform two more. <laughs> then her friends will tell her to go to an OB and have a blood test. Then her doctor will run the test and then he'll run another test and then just one more. Then she will find out that one of the tests is not quite normal. Mm. So she will find herself referred to a high risk specialist where no one will be certain there is anything wrong, but just to be safe, she will have more tests. When she realizes that there might be a problem, she discards her natural child with childbirth books and starts reading the internet and reading medical books. This will make her nervous, so she will ask for a second opinion, where she will be told that her baby is just a little bit small. She will, ask to stop, she will be asked to stop work and yoga class, and her mother-in-law will remind her of her cousin, Millie, whose baby was born prematurely and still a bit slow. When she is resting at home, their cat will give birth in the closet to five kittens. This reminds her of... <laughs> Sorry, I get choked up. This reminds her of pictures she saw when her mother gave birth to her in water. So she will ask her doctor about the possibility of a home birth, but she will leave crying as she is told this is dangerous. And instead she will be admitted to the hospital for an induction. Well, she will get all kinds of interventions. So she will ask for an epidural. So they will call the doctor and anesthesiologist. After the epidural labor stalls and Pitocin has started, the baby decides it is not happy. 
Then the doctor will perform a cesarean section where she will briefly see her slightly small eight pound baby. <laughs> While she is in the recovery room, her baby is alone in the nursery. Visualizing the baby in the nursery will remind her of her cat at home with its babies. So she will prop. Sorry. <laughs> That's just we love you uh, for it. Memories here. So she will yeah. probably ask to go home. As the months go by, she will nurse her baby and forget how sad she was about her birth. Mm -hmm. And as she is happy with her new baby, she winks at her husband. And so she will, pro she, <coughs> she will probably be late and run a pregnancy test. <laughs> and if you give a woman a pregnancy test, remind her to see a midwife. Oh, Stu, I love it. Is it great? Yes, it's great. I don't know why I get so emotional with stuff like that. It's really, it's really odd that that I forget to breathe. You're supposed to breathe, and I think when you when you breathe, you don't get as emotional. And I forget to breathe. Mm -hmm. I remember when I had to give a speech at, at my daughter's bat mitzvah, and I, I I essentially remembered that I needed to breathe deeply, and I needed to think of uh, Brett Favre interception, Brett Favre interception. All right. It was, you know, it was around the time that, that the Vikings were playing in the NFC Championship game and Brett Favre for the Vikings threw an interception and it cost us the championship. And so it was something to keep me in, keep me in reality as opposed to getting too, you know, too upset about or too emotional about my daughter. So yeah. Uh, yeah. anyway, nonetheless, if I could find an illustrator, wouldn't that be kind of fun to, because I've got all the, I didn't, I didn't read the illustrations. I have uh, captions for the illustrations that I would like to have drawn. Oh, I love it. I think we should definitely find a way to make that happen. That's great. Yeah, I like I like the like the slightly small eight pound baby. I think that because <laughs> how often does that happen? Oh gosh, way too often. Way, way, way too often. So it's great to see you. Yeah. So um you're gonna be there until next week when you have a new transmission. Yep, I'll be leaving here Tuesday and heading to South Dakota. Yeah, South Dakota is great. You're going to yeah. stop at the corn. You're going to see the corn palace. I don't know. You have to Do check I need it to out. And, and you have that. And then there's famous wall drugs. Okay. It's the biggest. I, I don't know if it's still, but when I was a kid, it was the biggest drugstore in the country. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like going to mall of America, which is the, like the biggest amusement park, or at least it was until yeah. the bigger one. But uh, yeah. So, and then, and then of course the black Hills and the badlands. Mm -hmm. all that stuff. And, and you'll see Mount Rushmore. It'll be great. It'll be great. I haven't been there in ages, ages, ages. I've never been to South Dakota. 78, 1978 was the last time I was at Mount Rushmore. Yeah. And yeah. if you continue on further past South Dakota, um, when you get into Wyoming, make sure you stop at Devil's Tower. Okay. I'll, I'll give you all this information. I'll, I'll send it to you. Because Devil's Tower is where they filmed the, the movie um, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Oh, what a great movie, huh? Very famous. That that tall thing that he made out of mashed potatoes and and mud. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, well, Bliss, it's really great seeing you. Um, you are missed terribly here in L.A., but I'm so happy for you that you're on your journey. And I have a few more births this month, and then I have August off. So I will probably be on the road, and we'll be doing some of these where we're both on the road. And then I'm going to find you someplace, and we're going to meet up. I'm going to have your backpack in my trunk. 
Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna backpack in. That's what Stu and I agreed we wanted to do together. A couple of days back in the back where, um, so where there'll be no internet and no cell phone service. Yep. Yeah, we'll have to think about where you'd like to do that. Uh, I'd like to do it in um, I love in South America, but I don't think we're gonna get drive down to South America. So. Along the coast and yeah. probably somewhere smart where we won't get totally rained out the whole time. So we gotta we gotta think about it. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, um, good talk. thank you all for, again, I want to thank everybody for listening. Pleasure seeing you. And until next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Birthing Instincts podcast. We know that we all lead busy lives, so we are extremely grateful that you give us an hour of your time each week. If you enjoyed this episode, please share. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast for the latest updates and reviews. To help others join us, you can find Dr. Stu at Birthing Instincts and Bliss at Birthing Bliss Midwifery on Instagram. 